Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. What's the best and latest, juiciest rumor that you've heard concerning the Bears? Look, I don't have any juicy rumors for you. I apologize for not coming to the table a little bit more equipped on that front. I just know that we are now in the home stretch of this and that Ryan Poles is ready to attack this draft. Uh, my colleague at the Tribune, Colleen Kane, has is, is just finished up uh, a story that will launch on Sunday in the Tribune about kind of this um, – Fist fight, this is how I describe it, the fist fight between patience and pressure that Ryan Poles has been in the middle of, first in the offseason as the owner of the number one pick and making that trade, now going into a draft and just kind of feeling the human side of the guy who's running the Bears right now try to navigate this world that does have some uh, some choppy seas. It, it, you know, it almost feels like the, the rapids, you know, when you're going down and you're trying to make sure that you don't wind up on the rocks. And so I think that there's a lot at stake. I think Ryan believes very strongly in the team he's got around him. He'd be able believes very strongly in his philosophies as he goes into this. We're going to get to learn a little bit more about that next week when he speaks before the draft. We'll learn a lot more about it when he speaks after each round of the draft. And I just think we're, we're, we're nearing now, David, a point where the story of the Chicago Bears actually advances from rumor and speculation to reality. And that reality is going to be absolutely compelling for us to kind of absorb and then interpret. I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles Tuesday's address to the Bears media just in terms of everybody has an approach and everybody understands that you can't be very forthcoming. But there are signs sometimes or hints that are dropped along the way. And I think he will be asked about his rationale and his thought process process as it pertains to Jalen Carter, especially because of I think he's as compelling and as polarizing of a prospect as is in the first round of this draft and where he goes is going to be maybe uh, indicative of how the rest of the first round goes. I don't know if he's going to be the key figure uh, as much as I maybe did a couple weeks ago, but he visited the Lions. They have had their kind of impressions of him. He's visited other teams. And I think how Ryan Poles addresses that conundrum, if you will, is going to be somewhat telling, even if he's not telling the truth. Look, Jalen Carter and the four quarterbacks are the key pieces of, of which direction this thing's going to go in the first two hours of Thursday night, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. To your point, I think as reporters, you walk into that pre-draft press conference every year understanding that you're most likely going to take an L in terms of getting substantive information, but it doesn't stop you from trying to uh, find a way to glean a little bit of insight or, or, or a gut feeling or just something, reading body language, interpreting the way something is said 
said to try to to help you understand the direction of a franchise. I know Rich Campbell and I used to spend a, you know almost a, a few hours the day before that that presser trying to figure out is there a way we can ask question A that somehow gets you into the mind of the general manager who's going to be in that position hiding his cards, making sure he doesn't say anything that can be used against him, making sure he doesn't tip off what the what the draft board upstairs looks like. And so it's a little bit of a, a fun chess game to try and play and to, t- to try to squeeze something out of on what Tuesday th- next week. What do you think the deepest position is in this draft? Look, when you talk to people in the league, that there's a strong sentiment that there hasn't been a tight end class this strong in forever, right? Not that that necessarily marries up with where the Bears are at, but that's that's a general consensus that you got some really good players at the top and then some really good players into day three. You hear also that the edge rusher class has some some sneaky depth to it. And that is why I've kind of, as we've gotten closer and closer to draft night, thought, man, offensive tackle might be the place where you want to shop first if you're the Bears because of the drop off there. Right. Because there, there, there's a sentiment that these four offensive tackles, uh, you know, Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson and Darnell Wright and Broderick Jones, then you have a, a big drop off before you get to the next one. And so maybe you need to address that first with a faith that the depth at another position of need, like edge rusher, like someone who rushed a quarterback, is going to be there. And you can get a day two or a day three guy that can help you in a way, uh, in a way that's more valuable than waiting on an offensive tackle. On day two, so so that's kind of kind of the, the the short of that. We know the guys at the top of the draft as edge rushers. We had a segment on the Mullen Haw show earlier this week about sleepers at yeah. edge rusher, and you know who I liked? Tell me, the edge rusher from the Mid American Conference <laughs> and Eastern Michigan, Jose Ramirez, who is very similarly built like another former Mac pass rusher that the Bears got to know very well, Khalil Mack. So I'm not saying he's going to be the next Khalil Mack, but I do think the Bears, who, by the way, went back to the Mack last year to get a pass rusher, Dominic Robinson, could do that once again. Well, we know your uh, affection for the Mack, certainly. <laughs> and that's uh, certainly going to show itself again and, and, and throughout. I, I like that you have a sleeper, uh, a guy there. And, and, and give me the name again so I can star him on my sheet. Jose for next Ramirez. Okay. <laughs> he is an outside lamb- linebacker type, edge rusher, 6'2", 252. Does that sound familiar? He's got a little bit of a burst. I could read you all his strengths, but um, as like this one diversifies the, the direction of his rush is not just an outside speed rusher. He has a spin move. Despite his smaller size, he makes a concerted effort against the run. I like it. Sounds like a good scouting report. Let's bring him in and then we'll, we'll do the full vetting on him. I'll tell you a couple guys, you know, obviously I'm a, a guy who, uh, as we've documented more than once, uh, gravitates towards playmaking receivers at times. And so I'm going to give you three guys that, you know, could last till the Bears are picking in the middle of the late part of round two, uh, could last, you know, even into day three. And so you've got Jaden Reed at Michigan State. Okay. A lot of buzz about what he can be as a pro. Josh Downs from North Carolina caught a lot of passes from Drake May this past year and has something to him. That's a, there's a little sizzle there that, that, that's fun to watch. And then Andre Yoshivas, put that name down, Princeton guy. I know you were uh, big in the Princeton basketball team. If you can veer your lens a little bit over to the football field at Princeton, you might have a guy there that could come uh, in. Give me the name again Princeton. because if they draft him, I'm going to wear an orange T-shirt that I got for the Princeton's Sweet 16 appearance in honor of Blake Peters. I will put on my orange T-shirt for that episode if they draft your guy. Andre Yoshivas. I, I don't know if I know much about his football background, but I'm betting he's an econ major. 
bigger guy has a chance to, to make some plays. There's a lot of uh, optimism in certain circles about, about the developmental potential. Uh, so there you go. Last thing before we get to Brian Baldinger, uh, a little tease for people. If they go to chicagotribune.com and they do click on your deep dive into the most recent drafts going back to what, 2001, 2002, 2002, and evaluating all the general managers and the picks. 21 drafts, four general managers, 159 players selected by the Bears since Jerry Angelo took over that post in 2002. And Brad Biggs and I kind of went into the project just trying to identify what a realistic batting average is by round for the Chicago Bears as they head into a draft next week where you know you're not going to bat 1,000, right? That's, if there's anything proven about draft history, it's that batting 1,000 is not possible. And so where do you set the bar? What is a successful draft like for the Chicago Bears? We did that by, by examining the last 21 drafts and 159 players, classifying guys as either hits or misses. If they were a hit, were they an extra base hit, a double, triple, or home run? If they were a miss, were they a whiff? And going through and looking at that, you can tell me what you thought when you, when you first put, laid eyes on that for the first time. Uh, I think it was a, a, a jarring experience to see the number of times, particularly in rounds one and two, that the Bears thought they had something that they didn't actually have, and then it was the years that they actually did have something that they actually had in those positions and then built on it with multiple drafts in a row where you go, Oh, okay. So that was the catalyst that put them on the road to the playoffs that put them on the road to the super bowl. And now how do you kind of replicate that? If you're Ryan polls by just understanding that you can't afford whiffs and you better be able to find extra base hits at all levels of the draft. What stood out to me and your guys' research was that really how well the bears had done in the second rounds and the fourth rounds, which I thought that you could really have uh, guys, and there's isolated examples in every round, which are hits, certainly Lance Briggs in the third, and and there's some fifth rounders of, of some note. But I think the second and the fourth stood out to me in terms of success and the lack of success in hitting on first-round picks, which I think un- explains a lot of why the Bears have struggled to the extent that they have struggled. Yeah, I mean, you read those first-round names and you almost feel the punch to the gut again. You know, and you go, oof, oof, oof. That's how we are where we are. I'll just read this for our audience because they can maybe write this down and have it by their TV on draft weekend next week. This is what we laid out in terms of, and this was, um, you know, educated information gathering by us talking to folks uh, originated for me in Minnesota with George Payton and and Rick Spielman, who were at the top of the front office there. And we've kind of evolved over time molding it. But this in round one, if you have a top 10 pick, you're looking for a long-term starter, a big time impact player and a multiple time pro bowler or all pro. If you're picking 11 through 32, you're looking for an immediate starter, significant production for a half decade or longer round two, immediate contributor, hopeful starter by the end of his rookie season, a building block core piece for the long-term consistent production. Rounds three and four, a longer runway for emerging, eventual contributor, hopefully breaks through at some point as a starter with proper development. Rounds five and six, that's where you're getting your reliable depth pieces, a valuable special teams contributor, or someone who fills a very specific role or niche. A couple punters in there that the Bears found in round six or seven that, that ended up being hits for them. And round seven, if you get anything, David, out of a round seven prospect, it's considered a hit. That's the part of the draft where you can take some dice rolls, understanding that the the the, the reward will always outweigh the risk. And so uh, that's it. Like that's kind of a, a framework to understand what you're actually trying to achieve at different stages of the draft. It's great stuff. It's worth every Bears fan's time, and it can be found on ChicagoTribune.com. You want to check it out. You want to relive some of those past 
eh, glorious drafts, <laughs> and some of the past, eh, not so glorious drafts. But it is definitely great reading material after your nice job with you and Brad. 